You know, I often worry at Christmas that I get so trapped up with the traditions and the expectations and the things that we just do every year, like singing the carols, that I don't see the new thing that I believe God wants to show me each time we come to this season. So right at the beginning of Advent, I ask God to help me to see the new thing, just to help this time not to be a stale experience. Often I find that he speaks to me in a new way through the words of a carol, and maybe a line or two just jump out at me in a different way. Um, and, and, help, and helps me to sing this much-loved songs, um, the words in a different way, and more poignantly and more meaningful. However, this year for me, God has spoken to me poignantly through Epiphany. And I want to share with you something of that journey this morning. I know that most of you have not been kept up all night wondering about Epiphany. Some might not know what it is even. Although you've heard of the word and, uh, and you know what it is, it's never really figured highly on your list of Christian celebrations. And I perhaps was a bit like that until I was looking at it more, more detail. Epiphany is today, um, the 6th of January, the 12th day of Christmas, the day you're meant to have your Christmas decorations up until the day you're supposed to get 12 drummers drumming. And the day we commonly remember the arrival of the wise men to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And in a number of countries, this is a big event. Children apparently dress up as kings and queen, uh, queen kings and travel from door to door in three, sing, in three singing songs typical of the occasion and receive a coin or something sweet at the door. Um, they may carry a paper lantern symbolizing the star. They give each other gifts. They have special food. And as I thought about this, it started me wondering if we weren't missing something. The more you look at the church history, the more you realize that we probably are missing a bit, quite a bit. Epiphany in the early church was one of the great feast days, second only to Easter in its importance. The third great feast was Pentecost, which was not given the significance, which is not given the significance it once was. And even Easter is greatly watered down today. Easter apparently used to be the celebration, um, used to be celebrated with an all-night vigil the night before, and then the celebration continued on for what was called the Great 50 Days, ending with a huge blowout celebration at Pentecost. Epiphany, Easter, Pentecost were the focus of the church. Nobody even thought about celebrating Christmas until the 4th century. So what's the deal? Or as one theologian put it, how come nothing epiphs at Epiphany anymore? Why was Epiphany so important? And why is it perhaps less important for us nowadays? We believe Epiphany to be the day the wise men came. And that is right partially. The word Epiphany means manifestation or revelation. So the wise men are celebrated on Epiphany because they represented that, the revelation of Jesus to the Gentiles. But it used to be that the Epiphany celebrated more than the wise men. In the days when Epiphany was a great church feast, it, was also, celebrated, it also celebrated the revelation of Jesus in his first miracle, changing the water into wine at Cana, and the manifestation of Jesus as the Son of God at his baptism. Those three things, the wise men, Cana, and the baptism, were all lumped together to symbolize the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And such revelation was cause for great celebration. 
that a baby was born in a manger was relatively unimportant compared with the events that proved to the world who this baby was. The authority of Jesus was validated by the signs he performed, like changing the water into wine, by the voice of God and the descending, of, uh, uh, descending dove at his baptism, and through signs in the sky that could be interpreted by the Gentiles. Those signs were God's way of saying, this is a guy. And Epiphany was the church's way of saying, and we can never be the same again. So why doesn't anything epiph so much on Epiphany anymore? There may be several answers, but I think one of them is that for the most part, we no longer expect it. We no more expect God to be revealed in our mists than we expect shops to start giving away merchandise. And because we don't expect it, we get what we expect. The early church was a church full of excitement and expectation, They anticipated the return of Jesus at any time, and the persecutions which they endured forced them to be aware of their faith and sometimes die for their faith at all times. Many of us today have lost that sense of excitement and expectation. In the early church, the point of Epiphany was not to remember history, but to be reminded that God appears miraculously to us in places and in ways we don't expect. And if we keep remembering that God seems to thrive on unexpected appearances, he, 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 turns, he, uh, he expects he turns up anywhere. And if we keep expecting that, we're not likely too likely to miss it when it happens again. The wedding at Cana was crowded, but only a few were aware that Jesus had worked a miracle in the midst. Most weren't paying attention except to realize that the wine was flowing again. They weren't watching and missed an event that people have talked about for over 2,000 years. Bethlehem was so full of people that Mary and Joseph couldn't even find a room to spend the night. But there's no indication that more than a handful paid any notice to the new life that changed all of history. Bright stars and shepherds' stories notwithstanding. If we want anything to epiph in our lives... We had better begin by expecting it and watching for it. If you're expecting company in your home, you're not going to miss their arrival unless they're purposely sneaking up on you. You've made preparations for their coming. Fully expect to see them and always keep an ear out for the doorbell and even an eye on the window. Yet how many of us expect God in that way? Do we prepare for God to come? For that matter, have we even issued an invitation? How many times do you prepare for your day by asking God to be revealed in your colleagues at work, in the traffic on your journey somewhere, in your housework, in your children, in the clients or the customers you deal with, in the people you care for, in the friends you meet for coffee? How many times do you prepare for church by asking God to speak to you in the music, in the sermon, or in others in the congregation? How many of us honestly, truly expect a real-life changing encounter with God when we come through these doors on a Sunday? I can tell you that those who do expect such things and find them. But if you don't expect them, it's baffling to me why you come. If you're not expecting company, they might well show up when you're out or asleep or too busy in the back to hear the knocking on the door. 
If we don't expect God to appear or to speak or to touch our hearts, if we're not looking for God at every turn and listening for God in every voice, chances are we'll be clueless as the guests at the wedding or the people in Bethlehem when God finally appears. If we're looking, signs of God's presence are all around us, as much as outside as inside. They're in the trees, in the fields, in the skies. How many of us have felt his presence when we've gone on a beautiful walk somewhere by the sea or up in the hills? God is in the delivery room and in the funeral home. God is in the face of the person serving us at the checkout. God is in the face of the homeless man, perhaps, that we pass in a doorway, a shop, and in the face of the child who's playing in the playground. God is in the face of the person we're queuing next to at the bus stop. God may just be sitting beside you in the row just now. I might call you on the phone this afternoon. We all meet God in different ways and at different times and in places in our lives. We can encounter God in the most mundane of activities of life. The disciples were cleaning their nets. Moses encountered God in a burning bush while he was tending his sheep. Paul had his encounter with God when he was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus in order to persecute more Christians. Others have caught glimpses of God while out walking. People have experienced God in the casseroles that we baked for them when a loved one had died, the cards and the letters they received during a difficult time, or in the words and actions of a co-worker. I'm sure that many of you can add to this list of your experiences of encounters with God. The message of Epiphany is that the revelation of God is about more than just a one-shot deal. It's not that Jesus came once and that was that. No, there was Easter, that bright and glorious morning when God blew the lid off of, of everyone's ideas about what God could and couldn't be and do. Come Easter morning, all bets are off. The tomb was empty and the God was on the loose. He appeared and disappeared out of rooms. He was now here on the beach having breakfast and now there walking with the disciples who had no clue who they were talking to. The message of Epiphany and Easter is that God is not dead, dried out and stuffed in your Bible somewhere around the Psalms. God is alive and he's kicking and he's epiphing here, there and everywhere in the hope that somebody will tune into the right frequency. The God who was made manifest in Jesus of Nazareth lives and was made manifest somewhere, somehow, in your home perhaps, this very morning. The God that was calling you in our last song is the God that will be revealed to you after the meeting, perhaps in the coffee fellowship, or out in the car park, or around the table at lunchtime. The message of Epiphany is, keep watch. For you can encounter the living God anytime, anywhere, and you'll never be the same again. So maybe a question we need to ask ourselves each week is, where have I seen Jesus in this past week? It's a question that encourages us to have the proper perspective on life. God is not a distant God. The God whom we worship is here among us. We need to be attentive to that reality and see the world through his eyes. And through the eyes of faith. Now this morning I can't enforce you to encounter God right here. You have to have a willing spirit. You have to have a, be looking with a loving spirit. But God is here to be encountered. Beside you in your seat in the scripture region, in the offering. 
from the songs that we've sung to the prayers that we've prayed to what we've listened, the music that we've listened to, and perhaps even in the sermon that's preached. The ultimate purpose is to provide a place today where it's easier for people to experience the epiphany of God, a time that is structured in a way as to encourage people to open their eyes and see the God who is here in our midst. At this time of year, there's much talk about resolutions. And maybe a resolution for each of us this year is that we will wait expectantly in all situations for God to epiph in our lives. And if we live by that expectation, that resolution, we'll find that there will be a revolution in our lives. Encountering God puts our lives in God's light. And we see ourselves as God sees us. And it's difficult for us to remain the same. Encountering God is a life-changing experience. We cannot control when God reveals himself to us and we see God in all his glory, but we can be watchful and observant and expectant and open to God's movement in our lives. And so as we wind our way from Epiphany through to the Lenten, through the Lenten series to Easter, season to Easter, let God epiph, reveal himself in your life. Make space in your life to have a real encounter with God. It might be here. It might be anywhere, but expect that it will happen. Get up in the morning wondering when it will come and go to sleep in listening for God's voice. Read your Bible expecting to hear God and come here to worship, open to receive. God will will epiph, I promise he will. And there's a beautiful chorus, a beautiful prayer that says, Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. We want that encounter and we want to never be the same again. So we have some moments of reflection and response. I want us to sing this chorus as a prayer for us this morning. And may it be our resolution for the year to come that we will see more of him. And in doing so, that we would be more like him. And that his revelation would bring about a revolution in our lives and in our community. So will you sing this prayer with me? And then we're just going to have the music playing while you just have time to just allow the Lord to reveal himself anew to you. Let's sing this together. light of revelation we celebrate so shine in us and through us that we may become beacons of your truth and compassion 
enlightening all creation with deeds of justice and mercy. Lord, as you show yourself to us today, tomorrow, whenever that might be, may there be a revolution in our lives that we will be more like you and help other people to see that revelation as well.